I think a lot of people are looking at Joe Biden as more center than President Obama was. And when you break down all the numbers, it doesn't look that way. Welcome, everyone, to The Capitalist Investor. I'm Mark Tepper. I've got Derek Gabrielson with me as well. Hey, Mark, how are you today? Good. I'm, I'm excited to talk about Biden. <laughs> Who isn't? Uncle Joe Biden, right? <laughs> so obviously, you know, the big thing that happened over the course of this past week is uh, Super Tuesday, right? Bernie happened to be running away with everything as it related to the, the Democratic nomination. And suddenly Joe Biden, who is completely unable to uh, form a complete sentence in a debate, <laughs> has taken the, uh, the lead. Looks that way. <laughs> so what I want to do is I want to spend today just talking a little bit about Joe Biden, what he's about, what the impact of a Joe Biden presidency would look like. And, you know, Derek, let's just talk about some of, of his key policies and how they would affect our clients, our listeners, right? Retail investors in general. Let's talk about the impact of all of that. You've been watching all the Democratic debates, right? Yes, I have. Okay. In your opinion, who have been the worst debaters amongst the Democratic Party? Well, it's, it's really hard to find a good one <laughs> out of the bunch. I would say probably the best debater, in my opinion, was probably Mayor Pete. I'd have to agree with that. It seemed as Bernie was gaining momentum, gaining speed, Biden pretty much just took some of the nights off. <laughs> yeah, I think he took every night off, right? <laughs> Yep, definitely in, in the later ones, he didn't get a whole lot of coherent thoughts out and did not really try to, you know, it was kind of a free-for-all two debates ago. Everyone was shouting all over each other. It's crazy. Um, and Biden really didn't get in there really at all, honestly. And then you kind of see the DNC maneuver in the background leading up to Super Tuesday where Mayor Pete dropped out and... Endorsed Joe Biden. Everyone who was a who was more moderate mm -hmm. dropped out before Super Tuesday. Right. You would typically think they would stay around through Super Tuesday, right? Just to see what happens. Exactly. So how much did Biden pay them to all drop out? <laughs> what did he promise them? Hey, Mayor Pete, you're my VP. <laughs> right? Like, what, did, what were those conversations like? The, the political machine was definitely in, in motion in the background to uh, support all these maneuvers that happen all in the, in the span of probably 24 hours, right? right? Same thing with Klobuchar. I always pronounce her name wrong. <laughs> I think you got it there. So those two, two big endorsements leading up to Super Tuesday. And then Steyer, he was the um, business owner. Right. I didn't pay much attention to Steyer because he's been completely irrelevant throughout <laughs> the entire process, but... I would assume as a as an entrepreneur himself, he was probably more moderate. I doubt he was a communist. <laughs> yes. Right? He was not. Yeah. So I would say I'd agree with you that Mayor Pete was was the best in the debates. I would also say that Joe Biden was probably the worst with Bloomberg a very close second. Yeah. I was actually going to say Bloomberg was the worst because but he it just was, doesn't fit into the show. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're talking Biden. <laughs> but Bloomberg, he seemed just completely unprepared for the questions he was obviously going to get. How can you be a billionaire CEO of a big time company and have no dominance <laughs> in your personality whatsoever? It's mind blowing. That, that was my number one question. 
It was how did this guy just amass such a huge fortune when he he wasn't prepared for a simple debate. Right. <laughs> not only not prepared, I just don't think he had the personality no. to ever be successful, even if he was prepared. He wasn't aggressive enough. He wasn't dominant. I mean, I can't stand Bernie Sanders, okay? <laughs> but respect the fact that the dude is dominant. Absolutely. He believes what he says, and he says it with a force. Absolutely. Right? No doubt about that. He's been saying that, you know, I don't really agree with any of it, but he's been saying the same exact thing for a very long time. Right. He's just a diehard communist. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, so fortunately, we got Sleepy Joe, Uncle Joe, Creepy Uncle Joe, whatever you want to call the guy. <laughs> so we have him now taking a resounding lead. So what are your stats? Because my stats, so we had Biden who was prior to this, a sinking ship, right? Bernie Sanders' chance of winning prior to Super Tuesday was over 60%. And when I say chance of winning, I mean the chance of winning the Democratic nomination, over 60%. Joe Biden, where is this guy? He was down around 10. Following Super Tuesday, Biden went up to 74%. And th these are the betting odds from Predict It. And Bernie Sanders went from 60 down to 17 Yep, that's pretty much what I'm seeing as well. I have a, a website open that kind of aggregates all the, the major sites. Okay. And it looked like Bernie was at his peak, which was right around February 24th. He was about a 57% chance with Joe Biden down to 9.9%, it looks like. And then as of today, we're at 836 for Biden getting the nomination and Bernie all the way down to, it's pretty hard to believe, 18%. So that is a, a massive shift in really just a couple of days. I wonder why. It appears to me that maybe a lot of the millennials early on were just really infatuated with the potential of their student loans being just completely written off, <laughs> right? right? And, and maybe they were supporting crazy Bernie. What caused the rise of Biden? Was it the fall of Bernie, people realizing that communism sucks, it's never worked anywhere, socialism sucks, right? Mm -hmm. In every socialist country under the sun, you have a black market that operates off of capitalism <laughs> right. for a reason, right? Because socialism sucks. So was it the fall of Bernie or the rise of Biden? What do you think? It seems to me, and I, I don't, you know, watch a lot of the coverage, but you know, Super you, Tuesday. Not, you don't have CNN on your list of favorites. <laughs> no, you, I do not. You don't put that on when you I, show up at work every day. I do not. The Super Tuesday always is is fascinating to me. I like watching the the results come in, and it looks to me through watching some of the coverage that the majority of Democratic voters were kind of rejecting socialism. Good. That, As that, they should. <laughs> it's never worked anywhere. And that only leaves with the, the maneuvering, which looks to be really smart now, really only one choice to vote for if you were a more mainstream Democrat. Yeah, so. more center, right? Exactly. So, or when I listen to Joe Biden, I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything from anyone. <laughs> yeah, right. But Joe Biden, he's he's been he's done a really good job in the debates of saying, "Here's the deal." <laughs> but he never gives us a, the deal. <laughs> so, I remember at the last debate when they 
initiated a two minute timer. Joe Biden, he was the only, he cheered. Yay. <laughs> He's probably looking for a 30 second timer. Right. So he can put together maybe one sentence and he needs that timer to go off to get him off the hook. But, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I really haven't seen or heard much good out of him. It seems like he just, you know, he has seven one-liners that he goes to from here's the deal to check my record to, you know, maybe four or five other ones, but then there's never any follow-up. It's curious to me that Biden, as you said, is now at like an 80% chance of winning this, right? right? So it's not necessarily, in my opinion, the candidate that's exciting people. It's more or less they wanted a moderate Right. Mm -hmm. People are are beginning to realize that socialism is not going to it's not going to cure anything. Right. right? We're not in the situation we're in today because of the failure of capitalism. We're in the situation today because of socialism in the first place. Right. You, You implement a little bit of socialism as it relates to student loans. Tuition gets out of control. There's even more student loan debt. Right. You know, so we're in the the trouble we are today due to socialism, not the failure of capitalism. But when I look at Joe Biden, let's talk about some of his policies and let's talk about really the impact on our clients' portfolios, on our listeners' portfolios. What is the impact going to be? And the first thing I want to bring up, Derek, is what I've heard from some people is Biden is campaigning on another four years of Obama. Right. Right. You're going to get another four years of the Obama administration with with Joe Biden. So I I tweeted something yesterday to get get some feedback. And I was just asking for a friend. Mm. (laughs) But what I wanted to know is so a lot of these left wingers continue to bring up the wealth gap and income inequality. Right. So the question I posed was during the Obama administration. Did the wealth gap widen or narrow? And what about income inequality? What happened there? And somebody was nice enough to respond with a chart that shows that the wealth gap widened. (laughs) The rich became richer. Okay? Yep. So why is it that all of these left wingers continue to say that the wealth gap is Trump's fault? Because that is their narrative. Because they just make stuff up. <laughs> they just stick they have to no their... facts to support anything. Exactly. They just make it up. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I understand now. That is really the one thing that really bothers me. You know, I'm, I'm not into getting into these, you know, big political discussions. And there's a lot of social issues out there that need attention. But bring some facts to the party. Right. <laughs> Do something. You, wage growth. And the income gap or the wealth gap. I mean, just look at the the simple numbers, you know. And if you if you try to bring those up, and if you're debating someone on um, who's kind of far left, they'll divert that conversation pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that the wage gap grew. I don't have those numbers in front of. I me. don't either, but I saw the chart. And yep. I, I know when a line goes up and when a line goes down. So, <laughs> and but the wage growth, right? That that's really an important number. Because those people that it's really important to, that growth in wages, you know, if someone who's making $50,000 a year now is making $55,000 a year, good chance that $5,000 being spent in the economy 
which is basically 70% of our economy is, is consumer spending. Yep. That helps out everybody. That's going to push up the economy. When that $50,000 a year person is not getting any raises, their wages are not growing, that's going to hurt the economy. Yeah. So, On the margin, you know that that money's going to go to work. Exactly. Right. I think a lot of people are looking at Joe Biden as maybe even a little bit more center than President Obama was. Okay. And when you kind of break down all the numbers, it doesn't really look that way. I, I just saw a clip of, of Joe Biden telling someone who who has gotten a raise and who has benefited from tax cuts, basically too bad. You know, if I get elected, your, your taxes are going to go back up. You know, that has an impact on the economy, obviously. You know, I'm looking at the stats here for the the Biden, you know, kind of all of the all of his policies that he stands for. People seem to be excited about it because, like you said, he's not a communist like Bernie Sanders with a kind of 52 percent upper tax rate, a wealth tax, which has basically been tried and has not worked. Biden is kind of looking at the the 39.6 tax rate kind of exactly like under the Obama administration. Yep. The healthcare stocks did well when he had his resurgence on Super Tuesday because he is not a proponent of Medicare for all. The, the managed care stocks, United Health was up 10% that day. Yep. That was a huge win for that sector, but he, he's for a, a ban on fracking on federal lands, but still supports uh, nu- nuclear power. You know, I think uh, Bernie basically wanted to, to phase that out. So I think it's two different stories, right? There's the narrative that Biden has, and then what does he actually want to accomplish? And those things just keep moving more and more left. So one of the big changes, obviously, the the big changes I'm seeing from the Biden policies are, as you mentioned, D, bringing the top individual rate back up to 39.6%. But beyond that, taking the corporate tax rate up to 28%. So was it 35%? And then it dropped, and then obviously he wants to hike it back up to 28. That would not be good for the stocks that our clients hold in their portfolios. No, it would not. Right? I mean, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, after-tax earnings are going to go down quite a bit, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, we're talking about a significant hike in tax rates there. And that's one of the reasons earnings growth was so phenomenal following the the Trump tax cuts, right? Right. Because a lot of it was just you have more money to work with Mm after-tax. Mm-hmm. What else do you think is relevant for our listeners as it relates to a, a potential Biden presidency? And, and let me be clear. I don't think he's going to win. <laughs> but he, it does look like he is poised to win the Democratic nomination. Yes. And there will be a stock market impact if and when he secures that nomination. It right. might actually be positive. It might give the markets a sigh of relief that Bernie is not going to come into office and completely crush everything because we did a show on the impact of a Bernie presidency. And when we looked at which asset classes and sectors would benefit, which wouldn't, it was basically bonds would benefit and everything else was going to get pummeled. Right. Except for like cannabis stocks and ESG investing, all that weird <laughs> stuff that nobody owns in a significant percentage. Right. Right. So – you know, let's let's talk about what a Biden presidency might do for investments. What what are your thoughts? I think you nailed it on the corporate tax rates. Don't mean to put you on the spot because I don't really know the answer either. But in the run that we've seen in the last, let's call it three years. Yep. 
how much of that do you think is dedicated solely to the Trump tax cuts at the corporate level? Well, you'd have to say if the tax rate was cut, you'd have to say that companies are earning an additional 20% today. Yep. That sounds about right. Net, right? So I don't know where we were in 2000, you know, January of 2016 off the top of my head. Maybe we're up 35, 40% from that. I don't know how much we're up. Do you have mm -hmm. any idea? Yeah, that sounds about right, about 40%. So half of it, mm -hmm. it relates to just a straight up tax cut, right? And the other half would be due to the fact that maybe that money was reinvested to bring on more human capital. Right. I mean, let's face it, the unemployment rate has continued to fall, mm -hmm. right? So you have more people working. Right. So if companies suddenly, and when I talk companies, I'm talking not just small businesses, but also the publicly traded companies that we hold in our client portfolios. If suddenly they have less money to engage in growth plans and to hire employees, I would assume that the unemployment rate's going to go back up. You would have to assume that. You have to. Mm -hmm. I think that's only reasonable. So doesn't that backfire on the Democrats? Doesn't that backfire? How do you how do you get into office promising, 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 promising? You get into office and then you hike the unemployment rate. <laughs> I just I don't understand. Confuses me. And the amount of people that have come off the sidelines to find employment, especially in the last three years, is significant just because you have to look at all of these jobs numbers that come out month after month after month. There was another big one just this morning. So it's going to undo a lot of these policies, and it's going to be interesting to see how the market is going to react to it after everyone digests it. Okay, Biden's now president. What is his first hundred days in office? Right, those will be the the next debate questions when it's the you know Trump versus whoever they nominate. What does that first hundred days look like, and how does that impact our economy, and how does it impact the stocks? Uh, in our client's portfolio. And I just don't know how anyone could really say that that's going to be a positive effect. No, it definitely would not be, right? But as we've said in, in past shows, you'll know who's going to win based on the direction of the S&P 500 the 90 days before the election. Mm -hmm. If the S&P 500 goes up, I forget, it was like 23 out of the last 25 elections, right? Mm -hmm. When the S&P is up over the course of those 90 days, the incumbent party stays in office. Yep. When the S&P is down over the course of those 90 days, you have a change of regime. So that's the one thing to pay attention to. And I just I find it hard to believe that someone who fails to be able to string together five coherent sentences is going to become our next president. Right. Right. And just to kind of wrap up the show, just one thing I want to mention before we call quits here. I went back to uh, January of 2016. The S&P was right at around 2,000, depending on which day you pick to start from. And I, I'm, I'm afraid of saying where the S&P is today because by the time this is published, right. um, it could be you know 300 points different from what I say right <laughs> now. But let's just call it around 3,000. So since Trump took office, we've gone from 2,000 to, to 3,000. So that's a 50% increase. Mm -hmm. Okay, And if we agreed that roughly 20% has come from – tax benefits, that would leave still 30% has come from either investor optimism or earnings growth 
projections. Right. And a lot of that, you know, obviously we've seen quite a bit of multiple expansion. And uh, just to, to wrap things up here, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole because we've talked about this on other shows. But multiples are directly related to where interest rates are. And mm-hmm. as interest rates on bonds go lower, multiples should go higher because, you know, there's only so much capital out there and it has to go somewhere. And if you're not going to get paid to be in a bond, it's going to go into stocks, right? right? And there's that thing called the equity risk premium, which looks at the difference between the earnings yield on the S&P 500 and the 10-year treasury yield. And when you look at that, it looks like stocks are still attractive relative to bonds, despite this coronavirus slash Bernie Sanders sell-off that we've been dealing with throughout the entire month of February and leading into March. So uh, we'll wrap up for today. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We appreciate it. If you have any questions, shoot us an email to info at swpconnect.com. That's info at swpconnect.com. We'd be happy to chat with you. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will talk with you next time.